This gun sure looks deadly, but it's not the least bit deadly unless I point it at someone and pull the trigger. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Repeal the 20th Century. Today, I have Reed Cooley with me. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, thanks, Peyton, for having me. Uh, my name is Reed Cooley. Um, I am. I formerly served as a vice president of communications at Young Americans for Liberty until I was uh, liberated uh, earlier this week, which I'm sure Peyton and I will be getting into in greater detail uh, as time goes on. Uh, there's not a whole lot to share about me, really. Um, I began my career actually as an archaeologist, uh, ancient history ago, it seems. I worked on a few archaeological projects uh, and then just decided that the, the fight for liberty was what I really cared about most. Um, my history inside the Liberty Movement actually begins with Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, when I was a, a, a sophomore at, uh, at Baylor University years ago, um, I got involved in the Liberty Movement just trying to fight campus tyranny, all those sorts of things. And uh, that was about 2000 and 2015 uh, that I started to get involved with them. That of course, uh, that's just sort of turned into uh, this lifestyle that I'm involved in now of uh, fighting for liberty in, uh, in every way that I can. Uh, so. Uh, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, I so, you know, as soon as I heard that you were fired because, you know, I used to work at Yale myself um, a few years ago as a state chair. And as soon as I heard you were fired, you know, and I saw all the things that were coming out um, that the new CEO was doing and, and the, the leadership were doing, I, I immediately knew I needed to have you on to talk about these kind of things because I think it's a symptom of a greater a greater problem um, with campus you know right-wing groups in general and I, I guess just right-wing organizing in general um, but if you wanted to give a quick background just like a like a synopsis of, of what's happened with you just so people who aren't aware uh, watching this know what happened. Uh, sure thing. So um, my role at Young Americans for Liberty, I was uh, in a communications capacity. Um, like I said, a few minutes ago, I served as vice president of communications. So uh, for my last, uh, my last a little over a year, um, I was responsible for everything that you see as far as communications and marketing at uh, Young Americans for Liberty. So um, <clears throat> everything from social media, to TV, radio, uh, op-eds, podcasts, press releases, all of that, that was under my purview. And the communications department, which exists at Young Americans for Liberty still, um, it, it's my creation. Uh, I built it over a period of a few years. It took a very long time to, to find all the right great people. 
uh, to bring on board and to execute a lot of the different uh, capabilities that would have been needed you know, to build a communications department. Uh, so um, I bring that up because uh, that's what put me in a difficult position whenever a new leadership came in uh, last spring. So uh, we had a new CEO uh, come on board. Uh, her name was Lauren Doherty. Uh, she, was, uh, she was picked by the board of directors uh, to lead the company after a very big uh, scandal that Young Americans for Liberty had at the beginning of last year. Now, uh, Lauren Doherty served as the former head of development uh, at the Libertarian Party. Um, and really since before she officially took the job, it, uh, there were some indications, uh, some very strong indications uh, from her that she, was, she had every intention of carrying the Yale brand into a much more maybe centrist or leftist or, or woke direction. Uh, you know, really that, uh, that the Libertarian Party uh, embodied whenever she was involved with that party. Um, and maybe even under the leadership of, let's say, someone like Nick Sarwark. It was very clear that that model uh, was what she wanted to introduce to Young Americans for Liberty and force my team uh, to, you know, to, to start uh, creating content to, to help support, right, to help advance, right? That was very much her vision for the brand. Uh, and I can't tell you how much I disagree uh, with that model. Um, so throughout my last year at Young Americans for Liberty, um, in my capacity as an executive and really the architect of the communications department, um, my time was spent uh, fighting uh, Lauren Doherty and the board of directors uh, and trying to keep them from doing this to the Young Americans for Liberty brand. And really not just that, but uh, to keep them from trying to take the infrastructure of Young Americans for Liberty, what I felt like they were doing, uh, trying to take the infrastructure of Young Americans for Liberty and repurpose it uh, to fit uh, their own very, very different vision uh, for, for the movement, uh, something that is extremely contradictory to the Ron Paul revolution. Um, so this, this, this continued resistance on my part, uh, it culminated in a few different events uh, this week. So um, Monday morning, uh, I received a call from the board of directors notifying me that I was terminated over, and I quote, my unwillingness to follow Lauren's directives. It's very important to note here, uh, there was nothing about my performance that could have been pointed to. I built an entire department. Staffers at Young Americans for Liberty today will tell you that uh, I was always, almost always the last one at the office working. Um, never once was there a conversation had about my performance or my metrics or whether I was doing a good job. This ultimately came down to uh, extremely severe uh, differences in philosophy between myself and the CEO and the board of directors, um, as far as you know, what direction the company should be going in. And that really came down to me defending the values of the Ron Paul revolution inside of Students for Ron Paul um, and ultimately getting axed for it. But it didn't end there. Uh, just hours uh, after Yell uh, terminated me, they brought in a new executive. I'm not completely sure whether it's accurate to say that he's technically my replacement, but uh, they gave, he, he has the title of Chief Strategy Officer. Um, I believe that's the first time Yal has ever had that uh, in its many years of existing. Uh, to my understanding, uh, this man is Dan Crenshaw's uh, former campaign manager. Uh, he has a history on Twitter, if you look at his Twitter page, of supporting action, uh, you know, against Russia in, in the midst of the Ukraine of Ukraine crisis, you know, um, clearly meaning some form of uh, some form of military action, and this person really seems to have opposed the war 
uh, sorry, opposed the withdrawal from Afghanistan back in August. On top of that, he wrote a glowing uh, blog about Dan Crenshaw back in uh, 2018. Um, and this individual has worked not just for Dan Crenshaw and praised Dan Crenshaw uh, in writing. He's also worked for people like, like John Cornyn, Marco Rubio, and Nikki Haley. And that is the newest addition uh, to the Young Americans for Liberty executive team um, in the wake of my termination. So um, like I said, I, I spent the last year uh, trying to fight all of this tooth and nail, uh, even whenever I had to do so alone, um, even whenever there were just precious few people inside the organization who were willing to support me um, in spite of all of it. But I'll tell you right now, um, I can handle being terminated for defending the Ron Paul revolution. Uh, I was not sad for a single second. Um, you know, I, I, can, I can absolutely say that I can hold my head high uh, about all of this and uh, I would do it all over again uh, in the same exact way if I were given a choice because uh, I don't think that there is a, a nobler cause than, than defending liberty, especially amidst all of the, the, the many different faces of COVID tyranny that we're up against, uh, that we're up against today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good overview of, of what I've seen. Um, I actually wanted to bring up, because I think both So Bishop, which um, my viewers are intimately aware of, uh, he was on the show before, um, and uh, TJ Roberts, who, who I also know personally um, from several YAL events, gave really good threads of showing like a lot of the, the evidence for these things, and you know, I'm going back and looking through them, and I'm surprised at how far back some of these text messages is. are. I'm seeing stuff from May. I'm seeing stuff from, you know, like right after she got in. Um, and I think, you know, what really concerned me at the beginning of this is, is the context of how she came in and how a lot of this new leadership came in because it was because of the scandal of um, – when several people came forward, say, uh, alleging sexual assault by members of the leadership, uh, Cliff, the former CEO, and, you know, I, I never really got too, um, in the, in the knees, uh, or, uh, sorry, in the, in the deep into that, um, because, you know, I thought it was an internal issue if, if to, to handle these allegations, but what I was afraid of is, is, bad faith actors using this as an opportunity to, to put in people who would water down the message. And I think that's what's happened. I mean, to get someone who previously worked under Nick Sorark when he was chairman is, is troubling. And then to just go through um, a lot of the things that she specifically th said, uh, I think praising Liz Cheney of all people um, is, is, highly off-brand and and not productive to the liberty movement um criticizing messaging talking about drone uh, like civilians being killed in drone strikes even though that's some of the most effective anti-war messaging um more criticize or uh not wanting to criticize kamala harris because she's um a black woman and the first black right. woman pre vice president. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then uh, I think what is the most concerning is the hiring of more people like this. So like Dan Crenshaw's former campaign manager, somebody who 
you know, supported uh, COVID restrictions, supported uh, foreign interventionism, supported red flag laws, all these kind of things it, that, that are completely against what Yao has been standing for, not just before COVID, but ramping it up during COVID. Um, and it, it's sad to see the, the most effective anti-war group on, on college campuses be watered down so much. So what I wanted to, to kind of segue into is just um, where specifically, like, like was, was there an immediate change or a gradual change in the messaging while you were still hired as soon as Lauren got hired? Well, it, it began uh, before Lauren actually uh, took charge, uh, but it, it was so before she even became CEO. Uh, she she began giving pretty ridiculous uh, you know creative injunctions to my team and I. So uh, there was an instance. Uh, this was back in uh, back in April, uh, uh, late April, um, several days before she took her job. Uh, so Yell had coordinated with the Babylon Bee uh, to get uh, to get a sponsored article out. Right, you know the Babylon Bee they they pinned an article um, and then at the end they included a link. Uh, to Young Americans for Liberty's donation page, right? Uh, the, the body paragraphs of the article focused on the work of one of our student activists in upstate New York. Um, and then, uh, so obviously the Babylon Bee was praising our activist, right? Because this activist was really fighting the, S the SJWs and everything else uh, on, that, on that campus um, who were just terrorizing the student body. Uh, then at the end, the, Bab the Babylon Bee had a conclusion, something to the effect of, uh, if you want to support an organization who fights critical race theory in the classroom, give to Young Americans for Liberty. Well, this was, uh, this was a big moment for Yale. I mean, it was uh, the Babylon Bee, you know, putting out something like that uh, about, about Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, it did a lot for the brand. It really excited and galvanized our staff. Uh, my communications team w w was happy with it, um, obviously. Um, but Lauren, uh, Lauren apparently found fault with this, reached out to me and said that uh, she felt like it was problematic because it made us look like, quote, a bunch of privileged white kids. Um, that came, a, that, like I said, that was several days, maybe even a couple of weeks before she officially, uh, before she officially, uh, you know, took charge. Uh, and then she concluded uh, the, this message she, she sent me with uh, just a note about how she cannot wait to talk to me about the complexity of these topics, right? Just saying that we have to be sensitive towards racial issues because race is such a hot button issue and all of that sort of thing. She felt like this made us look unsensitive and it ran the risk of making us look like privileged white kids. Uh, that was before she even uh, became CEO, like I said. Um, so the, the, the creative injunctions uh, began like instantaneously um, and they got more severe uh, over time. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's concerning from the beginning, just the fact that she was doing these before she even got hired, before she, she technically had the power and, and makes me really think that from the beginning, it was a set out to, to water down the message because that's all that sounds like is because Yao never, never shied from being controversial or, or, or out there. I mean, the, the suggested events when I was president of the George Mason University chapter, you know, uh, do, do pot brownies, you know, uh, to agitate the administration into, 
wanting to try to like uh, punish us even though they weren't actual brownies with weed or the the free speech balls you know those take up a lot of space and and you know to allow people to write whatever they want on the balls um i know plenty of people had problems with those when we did those but i i think just it it, it is you know a watering down of the message as yal is having its its success you know i think um yal got put on the radar very much um when covid started because yal chapters were really willing to to you know engage in civil disobedience which is something yal was really good about um something i always praised yal for is that it was it was great at doing every kind of libertarian strategy and project so if you thought that the gop was the best way to take you know you know win gop elections and take over the gop well yao was doing that if you thought it was civil disobedience or agorism yao was doing that if you thought it was the libertarian party yao was doing that to some extent we w- wasn't shy from working with the libertarian party and and getting people involved in it um but i think you know now it it seems that that's gonna be taken away and instead for this this you know lukewarm brand of of neoliberal neoconservative ideology that already exists in other campus groups right it seems to make i mean yeah turning turning point these these groups already do that and it seems that it's watering down Yao to just be exactly like them which i think is a real shame um but i wouldn't ask too if if there was any other kind of things that you also noticed more than just from i know you were in charge of communications but i don't uh, did you notice things on the activism side or um that were changing particularly like for clubs and what they were allowed to do and stuff uh whenever it came to the the inner workings of uh, the campus department um i didn't dive uh, too deeply uh, into that you know uh, as thomas massey likes to say you stay in your holler and i stay in mine right you know you don't step on my toes uh i won't step on yours um i will say though um i i i fear greatly for the future of Yale's campus department, for Yale's policy department, all of these things, uh, because Yale has amassed a tremendous infrastructure um, as far as the influence that it has uh, in state legislatures across the country through its Operation One at the Door program, and then it's its Hazlitt coalition. Uh, that should, that's what it calls it. It's its coalition of state legislators across the country. And then it's campus program, where it's on hundreds of college campuses across the country. We have to ask ourselves very seriously what happens whenever that infrastructure spanning that many campuses or that many state legislatures falls into the wrong hands or that much money going into getting people elected across the country, right? What's going to happen when the wrong values are in play whenever it's time to decide, for example, which candidates to endure for public off- to, to endorse for public office, right? We have to really question um, just what, 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 the, what the implications are of young Americans for Liberty falling into the wrong hands at the highest, you know, at the highest level of leadership, right? Meaning the board of directors uh, and the executive team. Um, I'll say that uh, just everything that, that my communications team had to deal with uh, over, over you know, Lauren's uh, period with Young Americans for Liberty 
uh, would give more than enough evidence uh, to indicate that, uh, that the org is going in a really terrible uh, and tragic direction, extremely contradictory to the Ron Paul revolution uh, on so many levels. Yeah, I, I have to agree that that is what I have noticed in um, not just the past, you know, few days uh, in week, um, because that's that's when the criticisms really got big is because all these things came out. I you know, your firing being the the impetus for all of this, but you know, uh, I still keep in touch with the former uh, the chapter I was formerly president of the George Mason University chapter and they had problems even a few months ago where they were being told by Yao National to delete certain tweets um, because they they were too controversial or whatever and you know you look at these tweets they're they're anti-war tweets they're anti-establishment tweets but Yao National told them no and um, the state chair who was doing it, who I won't name just to, to keep him uh, anonymous, especially since he doesn't work at Yale anymore, um, he, he was like, yeah, I don't agree with this decision, but I have to enforce it. Unfortunately, that's what's going on. So, yeah, I think, I think based on – I think the things that are happening to the messaging of Yale have been spilling in to the ca- campuses and that they're really getting strict on them. And, and stopping them from really doing what was successful. Because, mm-hmm. you know, m- at my time from doing Yao, the things that were most successful were the things that were controversial, were the things right. that pulled people in. You know, we, our, our chapter um, got a lot of uh, skepticism about us doing different tabling. We did, we took louder, um, Stephen Crowder's idea of the change by mind. We took that and we just took on-brand Yao messages on that, and that was extremely successful. We were doing mm-hmm. amazing with that. Um, but I fear that, like, if another campus tried to do that now, you know, if they found that Yale National found out, I think they would probably suppress them, and that's that's right. a shame because it, it is a very successful tactic, um, and it it, it cr- create boosts membership for chapters big time. Um, I think more so also, though, I, I wanted to ask you if, you know, you noticed changes in, in leadership besides Lauren, who were either existing people kind of just falling in line, or if there was a lot of new people coming in who also just, you know, reflected the, the hiring of the, the former Crenshaw campaign manager. Well, um, I'll say that even before um, Lauren started hiring new people to take on, uh, you know, uh, fairly powerful and influential positions inside the organization, um, I I got no support from other members of the executive team in trying to, in trying to push back against this. Like, I'll just say I was the only member of the company's leadership that understood the Ron Paul revolution that really believed in, in the ideas of the Ron Paul revolution and that was ultimately willing to put his job at risk in order to protect uh, the Ron Paul revolution. Um, I don't know how kosher it would be for me to name names. Yeah, I, I'm not asking names, right, right. Just, just like if you saw a general change yep. 
in, in well yes yeah so it, it has been widely observed that uh, Lauren has been finding friends of hers from within let's say the Libertarian Party of Texas or former campaign managers of hers um, to come in and, and take on uh, maybe not necessarily executive level positions but positions uh, of more authority than the average Yale staffer right um, that that has been widely observed um, and it, it's been a source of tremendous frustration, not just for me, but for a lot of the staff, because these are people who seem to share uh, Lauren Doherty and the board of directors um, vision for where the company should go. Um, they, they really seem to support the LNC's absolutely failed, uh, you know, marketing strategy um, over, over the last several years. Um, yeah, so uh, that's 100% happening. Uh, you're seeing the Ron Paul revol uh, the Ron Paul influence inside the organization is being supplanted with with basically the Joe Bishop henchman uh, coalition. That's a, that that's exactly what's happening. I started noticing that trend several months ago. I was afraid that it was going to mean the death of young Americans for liberty one day. Um, and I'm here to tell you, I think that uh, I think that's right. Unfortunately, that's come true. Um, maybe the most profound question that should be asked uh, amidst all of this is where do we go next, right? Um, in my opinion, Young Americans for Liberty is no longer a worthy steward of the Ron Paul revolution. It has not been uh, for some time, but that revolution is so important to this country, uh, so important, we can't let it just die inside of one organization. We can't let it just uh, atrophy because the wrong people came in charge of one place. The Ron Paul revolution needs to live in many places. Um, and uh, I mean, hopefully it will, uh, it, it will propagate from there and, and, and obviously, you know, reclaim this country, right? That, that's what I've hoped for it for a long time. But we have to ask ourselves where we go next. Um, I don't believe that where the movement goes next has very much at all to do with young Americans for liberty. Um, because it's not just about Lauren Doherty. There are so many deeper seated problems inside of that institution now um, that it's, it's been corrupted from root to stem. It's, uh, in my opinion, it's unsalvageable. Um, and I think that it's time for people to start looking at building new things uh, in order to carry that torch somewhere else. Yeah and, yeah, and I think it's interesting that you said it's unsalvageable because before talking to you, my opinion was, um, well, the main problem is, is, is Lauren. And if you could get someone who, as a CEO back who really embodied, you know, what we had, you know, um, someone like Cliff, uh, you know, I don't know the particulars again again the allegations of him so obviously that's not what I'm talking about but you know if we had someone who who cared about it as much as Cliff did I I met Cliff many times and uh every time I I knew he really cared about this he he genuinely cared and he was willing to also I think take a step back and let the other people do the work that they knew they could do um, but from what you're telling me, it feels like it's, it's, it's not just a problem with Lauren. It's now seeped in 
and you you can't just fire your way out of it it's 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 now a structural problem and that's really really disheartening uh, i think for a lot of people because i think a lot of people viewed yal as that project as the thing they could give their time to and and see real um effects and and real successes with liberty but now to see it kind of go the way of the libertarian party because um, I think it's interesting you brought up that she brought in li LP Texas people because LP Texas is the Libertarian Party affiliate that gets criticized for its bad messaging. I mean, just yep. just recently they, they deleted the tweet of it, though, because they got so much backlash from it. But they were going to have Vosh as a guest. Um, yep. Have have him to d debate Hannah Cox uh, from Foundation for Economic Education and. I just, I saw that and I said, you know, um, I'm still registered libertarian, but I really considered just changing my registration right there as soon as I saw that. It was, and, and to see Yal doing that too, well, I definitely don't want to be giving my, my dues that I give anymore. Um, right. Seeing them do the exact same thing, that is just a wasted time and effort. Um, especially when I, there are other organizations I can give my money to, you know, uh, GOP Mises Caucus, I think is doing some great work that, you know, uh, Operation Win at the Door was doing, Make Liberty Win, um, was doing great work, uh, the Free State Project in New Hampshire, amazing work, um, so, you know, I wanted to ask you, though, what you thought um, if, is there is there a particular project that you think that people can now move into um, to do a lot of the great work that Yao did? Mm. I don't know how kosher it would be for me to endorse any one particular organization or another. Sure. Um, and, you know, at this point, um, you know, I'll say that uh, there is the revolution is going to live on in, in several different organizations. Uh, it absolutely has to. Uh, I have a lot of people contacting me about uh, about some some projects that they they'd like me to potentially help them with. Uh, not just on the marketing side, but you know, could be fundraising, could be pretty much anything. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm not certain. I, there's something I want to address about what you just said, and that was you know before you got on the call, you were under the impression that you know it's just a CEO problem. Well, something I want to just make sure to to share with your audience is that there are, there's a there's a board of directors who picked Lauren Doherty, and they picked Lauren Doherty for a reason, and it's virtually impossible to replace, for example, a board of directors. That's that's really tough to do, and it was the founder of this company, uh, Mr. Jeff Frazee. He chartered uh, Students for Ron Paul, which was Yal's original name back in 2008 who had a hand in picking her. Um, so there's a, there's a board of directors with, which is virtually unaccountable to anything uh, over this CEO. Any new CEO that would hypothetically be put in Lauren's place would be beholden to said board of directors. And now you have all this executive influence uh, that you know, these mini Lauren's spread about the organization, right? Um, you know, it's not a situation that you fire your, your way out of, but we have to understand 
before we think about giving our money to any other institution, you know, to address your question again, or, be, or before we go and build institutions of our own, we have to understand what went wrong with Young Americans for Liberty, which was supposed to be this project. Um, I was talking about it with Pete Quinones a few nights ago, um, and he, he made a good point. And I mean, it's something that I agree with. Anything that is not right, explicitly pro-right will go left. Um, Young Americans for Liberty was not founded with the intention of being like an explicitly sort of pro-right organization, right? There wasn't a tremendous amount of emphasis on that uh, at its foundation. Um, and I think yeah, that's what allowed for a little over a decade later for it to completely lose its way. That's, that's one of many factors, I think. But the most, I think maybe the two most profound questions we can ask is where do we go from here and why did this situation go so horribly wrong? Why was this allowed to be infiltrated to this extent? Yeah, I I have to agree with that, and I have to, I find myself agreeing with Pete's points a lot. Um, as somebody who you know inspired me to do this a lot. Yeah, I I have to agree. If it's not explicitly right wing, you know, if we keep indulging in this oh, we're not right or left um, kind of mentality that libertarians really like to do, uh, we're just destined to go left because the left yep. is really good about subverting things, um, even right-wing things, but particularly yep. things that pretend it's centrist. They're really great at yep. it. I mean, look at the Lincoln Project. That is, for all intents and purposes, a left-wing organization even though it claims to be a Republican organization. It, I mean, it is literally working for Democratic candidates at this point. You know, we saw that with Virginia, with them staging um, an event to try to sink Youngkin's campaign. Um, so I think, you know, this is very a very disheartening thing to hear that Yale has gone this way and that even the board of directors um, – you know, has swayed this way, especially since a lot of, I, as far as I know, a lot of them have been there since the beginning when it was students for Ron Paul. Um, and, you know, I, I just, it, it is a very frustrating thing to see. And, you know, I'd love to hold out hope and, and, you know, cause I still have friends who work at Yale who I think are great people um, that, you know, it, it turns the other direction, uh, but, you know, based on what uh, you have told me and based on the evidence I have seen, I don't think that that is the case, and I think that's really unfortunate. Um, but I wanted to give you uh, this last little, um, this last little segment, just if you have anything in particular you want to get out there, usually people use it to promote something, but I know now that you're in between jobs because of Yao, uh, but if there's anything you need to get out, use this time, please. Well, let's entertain this best case scenario, right? Uh, a bit of a naive best case scenario in which the only thing that Lauren and the board of directors are trying to do is professionalize the brand, okay? Let's, let, let's, let's pretend that's what they're trying to do. Um, are our enemies interested in professionalizing their attacks against us? 
Um, is the left interested in professionalizing um, its attacks against our very way of life? Um, is it interested in dressing it up or in trying to see the best in us or in trying to understand that we have good intentions? Yeah. Are, our, are, are our enemies giving us the same benefit of the doubt that people like Lauren Doherty and Nick Sarwark seem to want to give our enemies? Ask yourself that and then ask yourself, how many of these kinds of mistakes between what Peyton and I have discussed uh, on, this, on this podcast and what you've seen on Twitter, how many of these mistakes can possibly be by accident, okay? How, how many of these kinds of just grave you know, messaging miscalculations can possibly be attributed to accident or just something like a difference in tone? This doesn't represent a simple difference in tone or in vocabulary. This represents an extremely profound difference in the directionality of what is perhaps the most important organization in the entirety of the Liberty Movement, right? Um, so as far as, as far as anything I'd like to promote, there's nothing in particular, Peyton. I wanna you know, thank you once again for inviting me onto the show. If people want to find me uh, on Twitter, they can do so at uh, J Reed Cooley, letter J R E E D C O O L E Y. All right. Yeah, and I'll make sure to link that in the description. But I appreciate you coming on because I think it's important that people um, who may want to get involved with Yale now they they know these things and that they caution. Um, you know, I I. I'm a strong believer that you should know the organization intimately before you get involved with it. And I think it is important to have these details out there um, before people consider donating their money or their time. Um, so I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, Peyton, for having me. Yeah, no problem.